Welcome to the Pathfinder Podcast from Lancer Capital, where we interview subject matter experts to help us in the small business community navigate some of the most difficult business challenges. Welcome to episode five of the Pathfinder Podcast. Uh, It's been a little bit since we've last put out an episode. We've been really busy, which I guess is a good thing. And you know, I think things are really heating up in the uh, mergers and acquisitions and uh, investment world. And I expect it to be, you know, a really busy rest of the year. So, um, you know, we're, we're excited about, you know, what we've been up to and what's to come for the rest of 2021. But we're really excited about getting this episode out there. Uh, one topic that we often run into, especially for small businesses, as they grow and scale and with all its technology that exists in the world and, and complex needs to help people manage their companies, a lot of people at some point in time evaluate the topic of an ERP or uh, accounting or uh, software systems conversion that they use to manage their business. Uh, one product that you know often comes up for small businesses is QuickBooks, and you know there are other great products out there. We use QuickBooks and you know a number of companies and and love the product, but inevitably businesses reach a certain scale and need more complex tracking and capabilities. And and oftentimes owners and management teams are uh, reticent to take on that challenge because they can uh, be difficult and it can create a lot of uh, issues. And, you know, most of the time when we talk to people, they only ever mention horror stories around an ERP conversion. And I'm here to say that from our experience, it can be done, it can be done well, and I think it's important to set yourself up for the best possible uh, likelihood of success. And there's some things that, you know, we wanted to get on today and talk about to, you know, give business owners some insights into what they can be doing to set themselves up for success. So with that said, we're going to be joined by Jim Hickey uh, from Sickich. Jim will share a little bit of his background and uh, what he does to help uh, drive successful ERP conversions with his clients. And I think his insight will be uh, really helpful. So with that said, let's jump into the episode. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Uh, You know, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, Jim Hickey is joining us from Sickich. Uh, Jim's role at Sickich, and I'll let him introduce himself, uh, but he is focused on ERP conversions, which is the key topic for us to address. Obviously, it's a you know critical issue that a lot of small business owners face as they grow their company and what is the right timing and how do you go about that process and what it looks like. So thanks for joining us, Jim. And maybe if we can start, I'd appreciate you, know, you giving our audience just a quick overview of yourself, your firm, and uh, what you do uh, as part of typical ERP conversions. That's good. Thanks, Josh. And thanks for having me today. Uh, so again, uh, Jim Hickey, I'm a, a partner at Sickich, focused in our, our SMB team, which is primarily companies between zero revenue and about 300 million in revenue. Um, I'm part of our technology practice. Sickich overall is you know, a self-described uh, technology-enabled professional services company. So we have three pillars to our business, uh, the traditional you know, CPA, audit, and tax um, as well as technology, which I'm part of, and uh, an advisory group, which does some more managerial consulting. So I won't go too deep with got multiple lines of business, but I, I again, am uh, part of the technology practice. 
focused primarily on um, mid-sized companies and uh, almost exclusively on ERP and CRM systems. Got it. Thank you uh, for that intro. Uh, so, you know, I'll start with, you know, a high level question, and I'm sure you get this a lot as you work with clients. Uh, when does a company know it is the right time to consider an ERP conversion? Uh, and, and I'm kind of focused more on business complexity versus size versus other challenges they may encounter. What are the key factors for someone to start thinking about, hey, you maybe need a better system? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, and, I, and I'll start with uh, I've never worked with a company that said that they implemented the ERP too soon, right? So I think we have a tendency to uh, feel some pain and, and get there a bit too late. It'd be a little bit easier if we, we stayed ahead of it. Um, you know, from a complexity standpoint, you know, there's I always look at, you know, when I, when I talk to folks, everyone kind of works around their existing system, and you start to build multiple workarounds, and a lot of times they, they become Excel spreadsheets that someone manages to, you know, you know, say it's tracking deferred revenue or something to that effect, right? Or, or tracking inventory in a spreadsheet over here or building little applications. And so as those start to pile up, we start to create you know, massive amounts of inefficiency, right? So we've got, um, we've also got risk when it comes to that, right? Because a lot of times those spreadsheets are, are really driven off of the, you know, the, the, you know, tribal knowledge as we like to call it sometimes with the folks that work there, right? So an individual really knows how that spreadsheet works, has a process kind of built into their head that creates risk for a business owner, right? That if you know that person were to win the lottery or you know, how do you scale that, right? Can you have the same level of expertise for the next person that comes along working with you? So that that a lot of times as we start to accumulate these workarounds outside of our systems, a great indication that we're moving towards needing a more complex application that's gonna meet our business needs. Absolutely, it's a you know it's a good uh, it's a good point. Um, businesses I've been involved in, it's amazing what you just said, which is we don't want to change our system. Our business is becoming more complex, and so we're just going to use these other tools to work around it. And that just becomes a snowball effect of complexity because now to to get this piece of information right, you got to go to three other spreadsheets. You, there's a lot of key man risk, and I'm not talking about executive key man risk. What happens is you end up with, you know, somebody at a more entry level position, but they're the only ones that does this and, you know, this particular spreadsheet or whatever it may be. If that person leaves for another opportunity, it, it can create issues for the company. And uh, I think you hit the nail on the head that when you see that trending in your business and the more and more one offs or separate tracking items you implement, it is a really good signal that you should be thinking about doing something. Yeah, and I, and I think that you know I, I started a business of my own you know before I before I joined Sickich and and I early on you knew what was going on in the business right just your your gut sense you had you know a small number of, of clients and you could really get a feel of how things were going and that that gets harder and harder to do as you grow right with with any organization there's more people working for you there's more you know clients you're working with and so I think that dependence on, on good accurate information to understand the health of the business is critical as well right so I think. You know, I've, I've been doing ERP for, for 20 years and, and I can say 95, probably 99% of the clients I talk to when, when we talk the reasons why they're looking to make a move goes back to that access to information as well, right? So I need to have, you know, real time or near real time information that I can count on, right? I know that there's one source of data. I don't have the, you know, the multiple spreadsheets we talked about here or multiple applications to handle different parts of my business. I want to know that when I go and I look at a, you know, an AR aging or, you know, my inventory status report, whatever it may be. I know I can count on that information. It's up to date and it's accurate. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a good point. 
Um, you know, so as, as people think about making that transition, uh, you know, a, lo a lot of folks that we talk to in an hour end of the market, and we're talking sort of the zero to $25 million revenue uh, size at uh, Lancer Capital and companies that we work with, you know, QuickBooks is hugely popular uh, in that part of the market. And I mean, don't, no disrespect to QuickBooks. I love QuickBooks. We use QuickBooks. We think it's a great product. Uh, it lacks some of the other, you know, ancillary features like advanced manufacturing, inventory analysis, and some of the other things that the businesses need as they grow. So as you look to potentially consider transitioning from QuickBooks for, you know, additional capabilities, what do you see as the key benefits of maybe more advanced ERP systems that are sort of the next step up beyond QuickBooks and that next size or focus in the market? Yeah, you know, and I think that I'll put it into a couple of different categories, right? So I think um, first and foremost will be, will be controls, right? Process controls. Um, one of the great things about QuickBooks, why people love it, it's very flexible and I can do a lot of different things with it. But as I start to have multiple people, you know, touching the same processes or, you know, I've got more than one person in my finance staff, whatever it may be, controls become that much more important, right? And that's, that's baseline, but more of the, you know, the, the features that people really get excited about, you start to see some, some automation, right? Whether it be workflow and, and workflow is really getting more and more intelligent, right? So, you know, we've got, you know, robotic processing automation, we've got artificial intelligence and all those things, but in a, in a more, you know, simplified environment and, and one that I think's more relevant to the, you know, say $25 million company, if I start to build workflow that's smart, I can really gain some great efficiencies. And, and what I mean by smart, you know, the systems today can, can go and look at, you know, we've got a workflow approval for, you know, purchase orders, whatever it may be. That's great, you know, you can set dollar amounts who needs to approve it. But they start to look at say, hey, you know, this PO is, you know, for X vendor. You never actually look at it. You always approve it. You want to make that just an automatic approval. You know, you can kind of set those rules. It starts to kind of look at things to that effect. We can just set more parameters and more specific rules to make that that much more efficient. So you're looking at the exceptions and not, you know, every transaction that comes through from, a, you know, just from a workflow perspective. Um, you know, the other, you know, analytics are getting more and more, you know, just being able to look at more components of data, you know, we've got, you know, if we start, we can do a better job of forecasting. It's looking at, you know, how different products relate to each other. Are this, is this product, a, you know, a good indication that you're going to sell other products here or recommend, you know, as part of a sales order entry process that, hey, if you're selling this, they may also be interested in that. Um, more and more of the intelligence being built in these systems are, are getting great benefits to our clients. Um, you know, I think just the, you know, predictability of the predictive analytics there, just, you know, different components of, of having more data at your fingertips and able to do more with it um, is hugely critical. You know, we look at, um, you know, help me select which, you know, I've got multiple vendors for a particular product, looking at multiple factors in terms of their own time delivery date, quality, all those things, which vendors, you know, should I use here? Um, it's pulling more of that together. And again, as you get further separated from your business, less, able to kind of apply your own kind of human intelligence to it, having this information provided to you is, is such a great benefit. Yeah, I 100% I agree. And, uh, you know, I've been through and led an ERP conversion myself. And, you know, one of the key things that, that triggered us in that business needing to, to make the upgrade was, you know, what you kind of highlighted earlier, which there's a lot of manual processes. And, 
the the business I was involved with, we were on an aggressive growth path. And, you know, we were ticking off, you know, 15, 20 plus percent a year revenue growth. And all that does is increase the volume of work flowing through the finance and accounting department. And if you're already in a situation where you're manually having to overpower these processes with, with more and more people, the more growth you tack on, the more people you tack on, the more people you tack on, the more risk of training, education, mistakes, all of those things that you know can create challenges for a business, you're, you're just amplifying that problem. And we quickly realized that we needed a better solution that allowed us better business intelligence, more visibility into multiple different you know, parts of our business, more visibility into our labor, more visibility into all of those key metrics, as well as automation of processes. And we were able to, after implementing a new system, take processes that took someone a week to do using data analytics and you know some of the capabilities of the software, we were able to get some of those processes down to a one, two hour time project. And it drastically changed the dynamic uh, that allowed us to really continue to support the growth and be in a position to really be successful. And I think that is one of the benefits we see and would totally agree with you that those analytics, those automation of processes can, can really benefit companies as they scale and grow uh, and create efficiencies. Well, I think it becomes, you know, as we sit here in 2021 in this post COVID world and, and labor shortages, I, mean, I think most, a lot of companies right now, their biggest challenge is finding people to, you know, to work there. Right. Um, I know Absolutely. And, and the ability now to automate more processes and maybe not as need as many people to grow and to, you know, to meet the new demands is even more critical. And, and, and frankly, you know, there's, there's simple things that, that we used to you know, hire more, you know, work, you know, workforce to do, you know, whether it's, you know, in, uh, you know, in the manufacturing environment with people, you know, automation there, but that automation now is sitting the back office more and more. Um, if, if you think about, you know, we can easily from a technology perspective for years, be able to reconcile things that perfectly match. Well, now with some intelligence built in, you can start to look at additional factors and just those two fields I was trying to match, you know, with an automated fashion, they can go and make suggestions. These, these are probably the two of the records that need to match. That takes away a lot of manual work that people do on the back end um, in a lot of companies. It really does. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. And it, it's a great point. Um, so I want to kind of jump from that into, okay, now you have a business owner who's made the decision or an executive team who's made the decision, we need to change out our ERP system. I think everyone that's heard that topic has heard horror stories about that process and things going sideways and creating all kinds of issues in the business. Um, in fact, from my perspective, you hear a lot more of those than you hear success stories. But I've been a part of success stories. I know there are other success stories out there. Um, but once you've made that decision, the implementation process is so critical and making sure that's run effectively uh, to get to that goal line is, is really important. So I'd like to get your perspective. I'll start at a high level in a general question and say, what does the implementation process look like? And how do you advise clients as they're going through that on you know, where to focus, how to focus, what you need to prepare for? you know, those kind of things. I'm sure I'll have kind of specific questions of this, but maybe let me start out of, you know, a general overview of an implementation process. 
Yeah, and what I'll say, you know, your comments is a fair one just in terms of some of the challenges that have occurred. And I think there's been some some great improvements made and we've learned as an industry, right? I've been in this for 20 plus years now. Um, you know, better ways to go about doing ERP and find more, you know, consistent success. And one of the big shifts that, that we've seen is that, you know, if you go back certainly 10 years ago, probably even sooner than that, but, um, you know, the old way of doing ERP was, Consultants walk in. Tell me about your business. Um, we we capture all a bunch of information. You give me you know process diagrams, whatever it may be, and then we go and we start to build that almost same process inside of a new technology, right? So yep. what have we gained, right? You've gained some benefits, the reporting and the controls and those things that I described before. Um, but now the shift is more. All right, we've got all this collected data about how you know the most successful companies run their business. We have industry best practices, right? Now, what we like to do is to say, all right, here is industry best practice for this particular process. Let's say it's a procurement, right? So we'd call it, you know, um, for sales, order to cash, whatever it may be, it doesn't really matter. Here is industry best practice in a way that we can go and, and you know meet your business need. What of this doesn't fit? And that's a huge shift, right? And, and there's a couple of benefits to that. One, you're, you're now aligning your processes with, with industry best practices, but also the way that software is designed to work. But we're implementing real change, right? And if we talked about before, you know, one of the, the common pitfalls I always saw um, you know, during ERP deployments was that you know, there were processes that, that people felt were so critical to their business, but if they went back and thought about it, they built that process as a workaround to their system or a shortcoming of their system, right? Um, and, and they wanted it, just because it's familiar and, and, and you know um you know what they know wanted to repeat that going forward where if you step back and said why what you know is it is it critical to your business is it one of the you know the uh, points of differentiation you have that you know competitive advantage you have in the marketplace you know how you're treating your customers whatever it may be well no um you know so why do we you know want to stay married to those old processes and that that to me is the biggest thing there, there should be you know as much as we can, no sacred cows, if you will, in terms of processes that we're, we're tied to and not willing to look at and make better. Um, and when we do that, uh, we find much more success for our, with our clients, right? And there are certainly processes that people, they're you know, really important to them and important to their business, and we're gonna keep those in, in whatever application is they're working with. But that's the biggest thing is leave nothing that, you know, to the side as being sacred that really isn't sacred. Yeah, I, Jim, I totally agree with that point. Um, you know, when when I personally uh, led an ERP conversion, uh, you know, our team spent a lot of time with the uh, consultants that were overseeing that implementation and configuration, looking at the off the shelf kind of configuration of the system and taking those standard configurations and looking at what applied and didn't apply to our business. And we had those same questions of, okay, this is the way it flows. Should it flow that way within our company if, if we're not matching that? And, you know, there were some things we changed. There were some things we adjusted to align with the system because we felt like the system created better processes. And then there were also things that we created a tailored, configura tailored configuration to allow our, our business to flow with the software because, every business has unique processes. There's always something that someone does differently that's built that way. And, but I 100% agree that process exercise and really understanding what needs to be custom versus not, it does kind of challenge you 
to identify the things in your existing system that you've overpowered and maybe created an inefficient process. And so that, that really helped us be successful. So I think it's a, it's a great point, um, you know, in terms of starting with the process and really aligning your software configuration and implementation with your business processes. Yeah, and I think your original question was describing that overall process, right? And I think that's the critical first step, right? So that really pivots the way that we do, you know, quote unquote design, right? Because now we're we're, we're driving it towards those best practices versus the, the traditional discovery, you know, and, and from there as we get into configuration of the software, a lot of that stuff is is, is pretty standard. Um, you know, we, we're true believers in, you know, get a get the, the client's hands on the, the software as early in the process as you can, right? We'll do the level of configuration um, as required of those, you know, wherever we're deviating from, from best practices, um, provide training to our clients, you know, with their data, but really, you know, those repetition, that practice that people can have, um, you know, within the, the software really leads to our success at GoLive, right? So I always describe it as two tracks that we're on. There's, you know, system readiness, um, but there's people readiness. And that to me is one of the, you know, sometimes overlooked by, by, by different folks, you know, as important, if not more important, um, or equally as important, certainly, as, as the system readiness, right? Because if, if you've got the most beautifully designed system, the technology works great, but nobody knows how to use it and isn't confident using it, you've got trouble at GoLive, right, and beyond. Um, and, and that's where you know, we really lock in and spend a lot of time on on training and making sure that the, the people readiness aspect of it is, is you know, right in line with the system readiness. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point. And I, it's, it's perfect lead in to sort of where I was going next, which was around change management, uh, you know, with teams and with people. And obviously, as business businesses grow, uh, there's bigger teams, more people that rely on the system, more people than ultimately that have to change the way they're doing their things, you know, their whatever responsibilities on a daily basis. And that can be really tough. You know, it's it's human nature to get comfortable. We're all guilty of it, of I do things this way and this is how I'm gonna keep doing it. And, you know, ultimately, like you said, you can design the greatest system in the world. If you don't have people that are going to use it in the way that it's been designed, it's only gonna create issues. So I wanna kind of get your thoughts on, you know, okay, you've created this great system, you've uh, configured this great, great system, how do you work, how do you advise clients or how do you see successful clients in this process work through the training process? How do they typically, you know, get their people aligned to create, you know, value in this transition and be ready for go live? Any, you know, I'm, obviously I'm guessing you've seen people that have struggled on the other side of it. And what is the key differentiators to get people aligned with the system change? Yeah, I think the, the first thing you need to do is, is really, you know, have a honest assessment and good understanding of, of your team, right? And, you know, beyond people's abilities to learn and, and to things of that effect. And it's, you know, obviously we've got a lot of good smart people working out there, uh, but also really understanding their experience and, and have they worked, you know, for your company for the last 20 years? Have they worked at other places that have done this, maybe bigger companies um, or you know, just different places in general have different experiences to bring to the table, right? And so, you know, anywhere we, we come in and, and, you know, a lot of great companies we work with have a lot of long-term employees. So this is all they know. And that creates certain set of challenges you need to address, right? That 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 change is going to be dramatic for them. Um, that, they've, you know, worked here since they got out of college, whatever it may be, and, and have continued to know one way of doing things. We need to address them a little bit 
differently and, and really kind of get them, um, you know, it, it takes a little bit more to get them comfortable with, with this new process. But I think, you know, alongside of that is understanding why the company is doing this and getting the folks involved that are going to use the system day to day in the process that they have some input to it, right? So it's a, uh, I overuse this expression, but, I, but I've said it so many times in my life and I think it's true. You know, there's two types of change, right? Change that I decide for myself and change that's decided for me. And then how people react to those two things, it can be very different, right? So that person who has worked here, you know, we talked about all the, the spreadsheets and everything else. They attach a certain level of job security because they're the person that knows how that spreadsheet works and no one else knows how to, you know, work that spreadsheet. Um, now they're going into a system that's widely used by thousands of companies and they're on, you know, you know, the, the same starting point as other, other people within the company. That, that creates a certain level of discomfort and, and risk to that particular person. So if we get, you know, those folks that really kind of own these processes engaged, you know, first understanding why it's important to the business, how it's going to help them, um, you know, how it's going to help them, you know, move forward in their own career, right? You know, to work with a, a you know, very widely used and highly respected application, um, you know, maybe as a resume builder for them. I don't want to focus on that, you know, too, too much, but really getting them comfortable with how this helps the company move forward and getting their input in the, the early stages of that process. You know, we talk about going through those best practices and seeing how it aligns with the business. They're doing stuff, they've, they've made workarounds and everything else. They know every last detail of that company. We get them engaged early, they get excited about the application, they're more open to go and, and, and really, you know, have an open mind and really be excited to learn it. And that makes a huge, huge difference. And I think, you know, um, our focus in on the people aspect of this thing is, is a big part of it. The way the types of people that we have trained, we've got, you know, people that were, you know, have education backgrounds as part of our team, um, you know, just to, that have kind of built into this and understand how people learn, but really kind of assessing your team and figuring out um, most, you know, I talk to, to a lot of CEOs and as they talk to their, their management team, you know, the folks that are going to struggle with it, uh, you know, the folks that can be champions or cheerleaders for it, really get those champions or cheerleaders, you know, get them engaged early and get them to get other people excited about it and make sure they're ready to be kind of a go-to person, you know, for the folks that may not be as, as you know, well-equipped or as excited to learn a new system, right? So you kind of create a little internal buzz, um, you know, with those those cheerleaders and making sure that those people are, are heavily engaged in the process and, and really can be there to support their coworkers. Yeah, it's a great point. And I, I couldn't agree more, um, you know, and I think, people really have a desire to be a part of a growing company, right? That you, you want to see a business succeed. You want the business that you're working for to succeed. And I think making clear that this is a critical part, not to change their day-to-day -day job, not to put their jobs at risk, but to help the business that they're a critical piece of, and they're a, a you know, strong employee and play a valuable role. It's to help that business grow. And, Focusing on that messaging was what helped us be successful uh, because it's true. It, you know, we needed to make those changes in order to allow the business to continue to succeed. I'm also a big believer, and this is beyond just ERP conversions. Every business owner's got to figure out how they message and control their own changes in their business. Mm -hmm. But from a human capital standpoint, if you want to align employees' incentives, to create change that you believe is going to be valuable for the company. The first thing we did is say, hey, guys, a lot is going to change around here. This system is going to make things very different. But please understand, we are not using this to get rid of you or eliminate jobs. 
we're doing this because we're going to grow the business and there's going to be so much more work coming down the pipeline. And if we don't do this, we're going to have a problem and your job's not at risk. We need your help to help us grow so we can help you take on more responsibilities with the growth of the company. And that's where we really focused our messaging. And I think it's important to make sure that your people who, like you said, are comfortable doing these things they've done for 15, 20 years, that they're willing and able to get out of their comfort zone to make it work. And you got to align those incentives to do that. So I couldn't agree more with the sentiments that that you stated there. Um, but it leads me to kind of my next, uh, you know, conversation. And we've talked a lot about the process and, you know, you mentioned a little bit about go live and training and, and all of those things and, and process documentation. From your perspective, and you've seen a lot of these and been through a lot of these, what can a company do to best prepare for an ERP conversion? Is there two or three things that before they contact you, before they look to hire a consultant to engage in that process, are there things they should be aligning or doing or thinking about to make that process you know, likely more effective? Yeah, and I, to me, I, I go back and I'm going to keep it very simple, right? So it's really kind of setting what my what's important to me. What's my my criteria for selecting an application and criteria for selecting uh, a consultant, right? And you know that you really kind of need to look, you know, certainly on the application side, look forward a little bit, right? So you know, I always I use a ton of analogies with selecting a new RP, like like you know, you know moving your home, right? Like selecting a new home. Um, it, it's, it's something that you hopefully don't do too often in your life. Right. And when you do right. it, it, it's, you know, the expectation is it's going to you know manage a, a good period of time for me. All right. It's five years, 10 years, whatever it may be. I mean, it's different for everyone in that regard, but really kind of think forward in, in that sense when I start selecting the application. See, if, if I think about our growth plans as an organization, how is that growth going to, you know, come into fruition? Are we gaining more market share? Are we, you know, adding additional products and services? Are we moving into new geographies? And, you know, understanding that is also, you know, understanding what's going to potentially tax your new application, right? What's going to make it, you know, the um, really kind of test what the new application needs to do well. And that to me is, is critical. It's not thinking just about meeting today's needs, but understanding how our business is going to change, right? If we're going to go into new markets and they happen to be overseas, I need a company that can, you know, I can easily spin up another subsidiary to, you know, to sell products into the UK and handle multi-currency, you know, it's simple things like that. So thinking beyond just today's needs, I, I think is, is, is absolutely critical. And when it comes to, you know, the consulting organization, you know, I think, you know, what do we prioritize? Is it, you know, industry expertise? Is it, you know, um, you know, just you know, what applications they, they work with, other applications, right? You may be, you know, as, as you can imagine, you know, we work with, with Salesforce, a lot of folks that work with Salesforce. Is there a benefit to have my ERP partner, you know, work not only with an ERP application, but this other, you know, CRM application or this application I work with as well, right? So kind of setting your list of selection criteria and, and you know, what's important to you, I, I think just helps you make the, the best decision in that whole selection process of both, you know, partner and product. Um, when it comes to preparing for the actual implementation process, it goes back to that, you know, assessing your people, like I described before, making sure you have the right people as, as you know, members of the project team. Um, if we look at, I, I'm not a big believer in doing a whole bunch of, of process documentation because I want to throw a lot of those processes out, right? Um, potentially with, sure. with better uh, practices. I think understanding some of the things that are absolutely critical. And I'll give you an, an example. We it was a it was a kind of a big gap in the in one of our our projects, but. 
um, been a company that really had to have very flexible ways in which they were going to ship products, right? So, you know, our, our, our best practice says, hey, you, you sell products of, you know, X size, whatever, you should be shipping, you know, UPS or, or FedEx and not put that on the back of a truck. Well, they need to do both because they're, they have varying size customers and they really, it's part of the flexibility they provide to their customers, right? So there are going to be things like that that you know are unique about your business. And I think that's particularly helpful when you've got folks that have worked, you know, elsewhere before. What are the things that are really unique about us? What are those things that are our secret sauce? And make sure you've got those agreed upon as a group, right? And then sure. that's not doesn't sit inside of that is up for debate, all right? Whether or not it needs to stay from a process standpoint, right? So really yeah. identify those key things that, are, that do make you a special company because everyone's got them, right? You, you mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, but everything else can go potentially, right? And that's that's a huge jump for folks. And it's, it's a, you know, for us as an industry, you know, in terms of ERP implementers, um, that was a big shift in mindset too. Uh, and we've got, you know, we're probably five plus years, you know, having that behind us now in terms of taking that approach. But um, the openness to that, I think, is is critical. And you know, I always go back. The other kind of key point is what are the you know, three to five, the you know, maybe even ten pieces of information that you really need to monitor as, as a management team to understand the health of the business and make sure that everything that you do in this process supports that and make sure that you have good and accurate picture of what's going on, right? Um, that gets lost sometimes too. Yeah, it's it's all great points. And I, I from my perspective, I want to hit on, you know, a couple of things that you said there, which I, I think are really critical is before you go through the process, it really does, your analogy of buying a house and, you know, you're, you're preparing for this for five or 10 years. Hopefully you don't do it too many times in your life. That, that is a hundred percent true with ERPs and you can't go into the process thinking you're solving a short term solution with an ERP conversion. You have to look at that five or 10 year strategic plan, that vision for your company, where you're taking this and make sure whatever you're implementing doesn't just work for your business for the next six months but it works for your business for the next five to 10 years and making sure you're aligning that plan with the process and the growth of the company and where you want to take the business going forward. Um, you know, I think that is a really, really critical aspect. And the other thing I would emphasize is please, if you're a business owner thinking about this, come into the process with an open mind. Um, it's really important to be willing to sit back and, you know, kind of test, like you said, all of those things are up for debate. Test those things. Maybe you come out to, hey, this is critical to our business and we need to rethink it. But be willing to have that debate. Don't be too entrenched in your processes and use this as an opportunity to really think through your business and are there ways we could do things better. And I think if you have that mindset going in, it'll make, you know, the configuration and the process, you know, documentation throughout the implementation much smoother, much easier, and hopefully end up with a much better result you know, after all is said and done. So, you know, I guess I kind of, before we wrap up, it brings me to, you know, kind of one last key question, which is, you know, are there any common pitfalls when you have seen things go wrong uh, or poorly post go live? Are there any kind of common denominators that created those issues that you would really recommend people stay away from or prepare to avoid throughout the process? Yeah, and I think that the um, I'm going to steal a line from a former colleague of mine. Is that none of our clients have ever said, you know, through the implementation process that that we trained or, or, or practiced too much in preparation, right? That people readiness portion of it. Sure. Um, because I think where 
you know, certainly the, the, the system configuration needs to be in place, the, you know, the platform needs to be solid. Um, you know, I've, again, I've done this for 20 plus years, that was frontline consulting, did all those things. Um, the most chaotic um, go lives and the most pain was when people weren't ready to use the system, right? Um, it, it's very easy for us, it's very black and white to determine whether or not, you know, this thing has been tested or this is going to work, it's, are the people ready? Um, and again, it's um, not as, again, it's not as black and white, not as, you know, quantitative check the box that everyone's ready. So that, that to me is critical. Um, you know, I think looking at um, timing of when you go live, that's one thing that's really changed as well. Like, you know, everybody wanted to go live, you know, at the beginning of a year, right? When to start the year cleaning the system or even, you know, you know a month under or, or quarter round. We have uh, more mid-month go lives now because it's just easier from, from a, a process standpoint. You think of one, you know, certainly your finance team is busiest, right? It's at the end of a quarter, end of a year. So why you know put the go live in place there? So you know some of that um, you know is having a, a, a full period clean in the system, which I understand. But a lot of it was around the fact that older legacy systems, right? And, and QuickBooks certainly you know doesn't apply, or the applications that are out there, a lot of them don't apply today. Really, you know, we're designed to store as little data as possible, right? Data storage was much more expensive way back when. So a lot of people built that because the, the systems didn't maintain you know daily information, which which of course we have now. So. Picking a go live date that works for your for your business is critical to it. Um, you know, again, you're not tied to a year end or quarter end, whatever it may be. You know, working that in so that the people can manage their day to day, right? And you know, we always ask the question, how long does it take to implement these these solutions? And you know, we can give it depends answers all day long, but it really does, and it's really around making sure that we provide you know, our clients enough time to manage their, their daily responsibilities and still get this work done. It is more work, right? It is no way, sure. you know, um, the, you know, the, the moving the house analogy, you still need to go to work. You still need to get all those things and get packed, getting ready to move. Right. Sure. Um, that's the same thing here. So, you know, looking at key people, is there, is there a way for me to, you know, whether I get, you know, some sort of um, temporary help to take over this task, so this person can focus on the implementation or whatever it may be. You know, a lot of people hire help for the implementation. I want you to hire help um, to, you know, to, to supplement some of the day-to-day -day responsibilities of these folks that can be offloaded because I want my core team to be really invested in working with this application for that, you know, that 10-year forward investment that we talked about, right? That they really know the system inside and out. Um, Absolutely. So uh, one question did pop to mind and I think it's an important one. And oftentimes I hear debates about, you know, a clean cut for go live or running parallel where you run two systems for a period of time for testing post go live. And, you know, I'm curious if you have any thoughts or perspectives on, you know, what the right way to approach that is and, you know, where you see the most success. We, we tend to not need to run in parallel. Um, if, if we've done, adequate testing um you know we've got enough kind of you know testing scripts and, and, and scenarios that would that we'll walk through um and it's it's a big burden for a lot of for smaller companies right to kind of go um run in parallel and we still see the need for it um again if you've you've properly you know tested out the various scenarios it's easy enough to kind of validate the data conversion is going to be solid right we do kind of test runs of data conversion uh just to make sure there'll be no timing delays there i'm more of a cut clean and start new um yeah, that's my mindset in terms of uh, moving forward to these applications. Got it. And, and I agree with you. I mean, that's what we did, you know, in the situation where, where I led the ERP conversion, we did that as well. And the way we looked at it was, look, it's like ripping off the Band-Aid. It's, it's better to just get it done. 
and this is the new world and this is what we're living in because it goes back to that people management. If you give people an excuse to stick with what they know and stick with what they're, what they're doing, that's what's going to happen. And the, our view was let's rip off the Band-Aid and we got a clean cut and we're using the new processes going forward and it worked out really well for us. Well, Jim, I, I really appreciate your time and I think you had a lot of great insights in this process and you know, I hope it's really valuable for, for people that are listening to this and considering this <clears throat> for their business. Um, you know, any final uh, words of wisdom thing uh, you'd like to share with people? And then ultimately, if you if you want to share your contact information as well, uh, you know, that would be great. Yeah, you know, I think you know we've covered a lot of it here, but I think maintaining that that open mind and really thinking forward for your organization um, is critical. There's a lot of you know information available to everybody out there you know obviously you know um you know, go on youtube and you can learn a lot about um all the the, the applications that are out there but really understanding your goals as an organization you know you know understanding what, what growth means and what additional you know burden that will put on your people and your system uh, really should factor into the the application you select and just doing your homework uh, in, in terms of the partner and, and understanding um, the value they bring that's just you know these are modern applications that can handle just about anything, um, you know, thrown at them, uh, you know, again, selecting the right solution, but it's really the partner that makes the difference. So I think spend equal, if not more time in, in you know, your partner selection criteria and, and, and evaluating the partner as part of the, the selection process as you do the application itself. So I think that's, that's key. Um, in terms of contacting me, so, um, you know, I am on LinkedIn, as you can imagine. So Jim Hickey at Sickich. Um, my email address is jim.hickey at sickage.com. I'm um, really happy to you know field any questions and help uh, advise folks on um, on their ERP journey. Well, great. Uh, appreciate you joining us and taking some time today. This was uh, this, this was great. Appreciate your insights and uh, th thanks for coming on. All right, thanks for having me, Josh. Take care. All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope that. The conversation was really beneficial to anybody that might be thinking about taking on this process. Uh, there's no doubt that it can be challenging and create a lot of headaches. Uh, there's also no doubt that if done well, uh, it can transform a way a business operates and really help the company to scale. Uh, I've seen it firsthand on, on both sides of the equation. And certainly when it goes well and it's done right, it can create efficiencies in a company and allow businesses to grow uh, significantly and really set themselves up for success. Uh, first things first, we would always encourage people reaching out to folks like Jim. Jim is a great resource and you know, really engage with them on what a process looks like. Educate yourself up front. Uh, and we would certainly encourage people not to go it alone. Sometimes we talk to business owners that, you know, want to lead the conversion themselves or feel like they uh, are the right fit to project manage the process. Um, it will cost money. It will cost extra money. But the investment in working with someone who does it uh, for a living day to day and knows how to drive a process to convert software uh, is invaluable and well worth any investment you would make in that resource. So we highly encourage 
people to reach out to consultants and find the right consulting firm to fit your business. If we can be helpful or provide any ideas of who that firm may be, including uh, Jim and Sikich, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can always contact us at podcast at lancercm.com, and we'd be happy to talk to you a little bit and try to see if we can be a resource and, and point you in the right direction. So with that said, again, thanks for tuning in and uh, look forward to uh, the remainder of 2021.